Welcome to the Young For My Age podcast, a show about aging in a world obsessed with youthfulness. I'm Kelly Anderson. And I'm Andrea Barker. And together, we are your hosts. Join us as we dig into taboo topics, dismantle societal norms, and of course, have a little fun along the way. Thanks for being here. All right, here we are again. Welcome back. (laughs) Episode two. Hey, thanks to everyone who is tuning in. And thank you to everyone who tuned into episode one. If you haven't listened to episode one, we'd love for you to do that. If not, this is a great place to start as well. Um, So Kelly, stoked to be back here with you. Uh, Today, we're going to have one of what I think is going to be many conversations in the future about aging from the perspective of a woman. Um, That is not to exclude men, you fellas out there, please keep listening. You might get a lovely tidbit of knowledge that will either help you relate more um, deeply with the females in your life, anyone having that female experience, or maybe you'll grab something and say, wow, that actually really hit home with me as well. And that's our hope for you uh, with this episode two of Young for My Age. So welcome back. Um, Kelly, how are you feeling uh, post-launch? Ooh, I'm feeling so good, Dries. Like this has become an experience that has been even better than I expected. We went into this project with I don't want to say low expectations, but really no expectation. We went into it with the intention of let's have fun. Let's make six episodes and see what we think. And it's been an absolute joy so far. And we're only one, almost two episodes in, and we're getting some really great feedback from people. So I'm so glad that this is hitting home for so many listeners out there. Yes, I'm loving it. Uh, we'll have you read a couple of uh, of listeners' feedback at the end, but I'm uh, quite thrilled with how with the feedback we've been getting. So again, we can't express our thanks enough to anyone who's listening. So, all right, let's dive in. The perspective of a woman in this world of aging, in this topic of aging and ageism, there's so much meat to this topic we could go a bazillion different ways and that is why I believe this is one of many episodes about it but let's just dive into the biggest uh most like prevalent from like a social media and a cultural it stance and I think that and please correct me if you think I'm wrong but the physical signs of aging and the the um, messages that we get about what we should be doing to prevent the physical signs of aging, what we should be doing to like make ourselves look younger. I'm talking like wrinkles, gray hair, sunspots, um, maybe weight gain. Uh, I mean, just all of these things that come as you age. Um, I remember looking in the mirror in, I believe my late twenties, it might've been early thirties. I was under so much stress. And I do remember looking in the mirror and being like, oh, my gosh, I have gray hair. 
And I got it mainly like on the sides of my, of my head. And then I had like these, these streaks, like little one or two hairs. And I'd like pull them out. I'd get right up to the mirror and be like, take that. And then of course they'd go back these like little curly curls. I think like wrinkles and, and sunspots, et cetera. They definitely hit me a little bit differently. I have kind of, I guess I've had more years to, I don't know, come to terms with the fact that I have wrinkles. I have like these smile lines. I have like little sunspots on my nose. It just, it is what it is. I use so much freaking sunscreen that I've kind of prevented some of that, those physical signs of aging by actually taking care of my skin, drinking water, eating good food. And these are things you can do, but I, it took me a minute to say, so what? I have wrinkles. And I guess I'll just continue to smile and laugh because the alternative doesn't sound so great. All right, Kelly, your turn. Give me some thoughts. Yeah, this notion of laugh lines and smile lines. I love it specifically because my brain wants to go to, like, that means you're living a life worth living that's causing a lot of smiling, causing a lot of laughter. You're around people that are filling you up and that's literally showing on your face. Uh, so I try to, to look at it from that perspective, but I mean, I'm with you there, Dreej. I remember when I first spotted my first crop of gray hairs in this little like section on my forehead, I was taking a bar class. And so I was right up there against the mirror, right? And the sun was like beaming in the studio directly on the mirror, directly on my forehead, directly on the top of my head. And I was like, oh my God. There's gray hairs here. I was probably like 31 or 32. So I was just like, I can't believe this is starting already. This is crazy. What more is to come? It was like, dun, dun, dun. Um, and then I, you know, after a while, I kind of got over it. I I have colored my hair since I was like 16 years old. Um, I'm a natural like dirty blonde and my hair is a little bit lighter blonde and I just prefer to keep it that way. So the grays blend in. When I go in, I don't specifically say, hey, cover the grays up. I kind of just, like, I just roll with it. Now, the wrinkles, on the other hand, were a little, little more difficult to come to terms with, and I'm still working through that a bit. Uh, I've got wrinkles around my eyes, forehead lines, and, you know, like, I'm not opposed to anyone doing anything with their face, with their skin, any treatments that you want to do. We're sovereign human beings. Please like do what makes you happy. I have no judgment there. I, I do like plenty to take care of my face, but it's, I want to be clear. Like it's not because I want to reverse aging, which is the message that we're talking about. Um, it's primarily because like, I like how I feel when my face represents a glow and light and energy. And I feel like when I am taking care of myself and taking care of my skin and my face, that energy does come through. So it's less about this notion of anti-aging and reverse the aging process, which is the message that we as women get so loud and clear through ads and uh, otherwise. There's never been a why behind it. I've never really understood why are we supposed to reverse aging. Uh, we can go into that at another time, but there is just not this clear why. And so I'm kind of like, let's go with it. 
but at the same time, I want to look refreshed and I want to like feel good about how I'm showing up in the world. Yeah, completely fair. And I'm with you on that. I mean, people should do what makes them feel like their most confident, best selves. And I am grateful that you threw in that caveat of the your reasons for uh, whatever the the skincare routine that you choose yeah it's it's because it makes you feel good you feel like you're glowing that's I mean you look like you're glowing so <laughs> I think that just might be your personality so um but yeah that's a great great caveat to make sure that people there's no shame in whatever you choose to do to um, kind of give you that great outward like and hopefully inward feeling of just vibrancy it's a wonderful thing Something you said in there at kind of when you were first talking about um, laugh lines and smile lines resonated with me. And you said, it means that you're living like a life that you're laughing a lot. You're smiling a lot. It's a life you want to be living surrounded by people that you want to be surrounded by. How, as you age, have like relationships in your life changed, right? Whether we're talking friendships, um, your family relationships, intimate relationships, how you are in relationship, whatever that means to you. Um, do you mind speaking to that? Yeah, this is so good. I've become a lot more particular and a lot more discerning when it comes to who is in my circle, and whose circle do I want to be a part of? That goes for uh, you know romantic relationship. That goes for friendships, which I have a really small handful of women in my life that I consider to be really deep, good soul sister type friendships. And you know, part of that is I want more depth, and I want more fulfillment, and I want more just connection. As I get older, my values just continue to, to change. Um, the way I want to invest my energy continues to change as I get older. And I find that there's just things that you naturally outgrow. There's people that you outgrow. Uh, what I take inventory of every once in a while that I find really interesting is when I think about my friends, um, I'm kind of a one-on-one -on -one person. So I just want to put that out there. Like I don't have this big group of friends that is all the same. I have friends here, friends there. They're all across the board, different ages. Like there are women in my life that are in their mid twenties. So quite a bit younger than me that I connect with at a super deep level. And the topic of age very rarely comes up because it's more about like our humanity and our experience. I also have friends in my life that are older, that are in their 40s. There's people that I get together with that are in their 50s, and we, we can connect on a lot of things. And so that vast range is fascinating. And I think it speaks to why are we so obsessed with age, right? Like, which is the big question that we love to tackle in this show. Um, so that that's evolved. And I, I think that that will continue to evolve as I keep aging. Yeah. Yes. What about you? And you know, I'm, I'm similar in, in a couple of ways, like the wide range. Yes. I have, I mean, I, I always have had friends that are younger than me, friends that are older than me. One of my favorite humans. I mean, I believe she's going to be turning 82 next month. I mean, I just love spending time with her. 
but, and I think that speaks to, again, that I love what you said, the humanity you're, you're there for that human to human connection. It has nothing to do with age. You know, when I think about, uh, my friendships as I've aged, they, they have been mainly affected, um, by some big life experiences. And I mean that in that, like, for example, when I got divorced, I leaned on a group of women who came to my rescue at a time when not only did I need them, but I was open to them. And I think that comes with age and experience. You know, I have five sisters. I certainly did not need more women in my life. So I've never, I haven't historically had a ton of female relationships. In fact, my best friend, Emily, and I kind of laugh about the way we met. We met purely out of necessity. Uh, we were some of the only women in a company full of men and were uh, pushed together as roommates. And I think we were both equally fairly skeptical of each other, um, but it's, that was over a decade ago of just being great friends. Um, I'm really lucky to have that in my life. Um, I, I always approach my relationships, whether it's an intimate relationship or a, a friendship or even family it, with, from a perspective of, is there mutual respect? Is there mutual affection? And is there mutual growth? And my thoughts around those three things are as long as two of those things are humming along, the third will be there now and again, and that's okay. I don't need all three simultaneously in synchronicity. Like that doesn't need to be how it is. But if, if two of those things are missing, I'm not going to be in that relationship. I'm, I'm moving on. And I love to what you, what you said about things have their time. They have their season. That's it's an okay thing. Nothing is permanent. And I think a lot of people have trouble like letting go of relationships and we need to understand as we age, we, that's just an inevitable part of it. Nothing is permanent. Things have their time. That really hits with me because I have grappled a little bit with this story that my friends have changed. I wouldn't say so, so often that it's like every year, but I have gone through a number of different friendships in my adulthood that I've grappled with this thought of like, well, do I have like a commitment issue with friends? Do I have a hard time keeping friends? Is there something wrong with me? And ultimately, I think where I'm landing with it, and you touched on this, is as you age, you're growing and evolving. You're at least the yeah. type of human beings that you and I are. That seems to be what is happening as we age. And it's perfectly okay to find yourself in different seasons every so often. And some people will go with you on those seasons and some will not. And that is totally okay. Um, so I, I, I don't grapple with that as much as I used to thinking that like I'm a failure in some way, shape or form if I can't hang on to friendships for longer than a few years. And there are friends that I have that I've known since I was like in high school. Uh, but it is interesting to just look at my own personal journey and as you had mentioned as well, like people land in your life at different seasons for different reasons. And 
I've just come to terms that that's, I'm accepting of that. That means I'm continuing to grow and evolve. I'm not staying stuck and staying in the same place. I don't want to be in the same place as I, as I get older. I want to keep going through seasons. Right. And as you know, the friends that do kind of last the test of time, that kind of shows that your friendship, I mean, to, you know, is evolving that they are also kind of evolving with you, maybe not the same as you. And that's pretty awesome because we really, why do we want to be surrounded in a sea of sameness? Right. But it, those, those relationships that last, um, it just shows that that beautiful evolution that can happen. Um, you know, in my core group of friends of girlfriends, there are, I guess like eight of us that don't have kids and we're all in our thirties and forties. And I wouldn't say that all of us have said we're never having children, but it is a really unique uh, situation that I think is pretty specific to this time period that we're living in. But that being said, there are a lot of stories that we're told um, by our culture and society about aging and fertility. And I'm curious, uh, how do you navigate that conversation amongst your girlfriends or just it, you personally? Um, yeah, give, give me some thoughts on that. This could go a lot of directions. Where I immediately want to start with it is regardless of how much our society has evolved, there is still very much this societal pressure on a woman to bear children by a certain age, right? The the magic number is 35. The science will tell you that after 35, your fertility decreases drastically. Your age does not matter. If you are meant to have a family, if you desire to have a family, you have to be able to step away from what society has told women about having families and really come home to what is true for you. Um, there are plenty of women out there starting families in their later 30s, in their 40s, completely naturally, completely healthy or otherwise. And so it's perfectly okay to not um, have done things the way that you quote unquote should be doing them. We don't have to subscribe to everything that we hear. Uh, we also don't have to have children if we yeah. don't want to, right? If we are finding fulfillment in other ways that don't include the traditional route of life, that is perfectly okay. So I love that we're seeing this, this shift happening where, you know, women are having children later. They're finding partners that are better for them to have children with at later years, they're not having children. They're adopting children. They're doing these things. And like, we get to choose that, which I think is beautiful. Um, but I want to just like put this out there that if you're feeling the pressure to live a certain way or make certain decisions that are based solely on an age, like really, really step back and connect with yourself and ask if that's something that you want to buy into. That's like my biggest piece of takeaway that I would encourage people to think about on this topic. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, to that, to that point, like going back to episode one, when we were, when we spoke to skipping steps and, or doing steps in a different order, you know, 
it does not have to look traditional per se. It does not need to look a certain way, um, be a certain way um, to be true to you and to be just real. You know, family means so many different things. It doesn't mean always have to mean having children, um, you know, whether that's naturally adopted, whatever that is, family can just look so many different ways. And I think that that is something women bear the brunt of is, is how that story plays out. And I think we get the brunt of the, um, expectations. That's just how it is. And and that's okay. But that means if we get the brunt of the expectation, then we should be the one leading <laughs> the conversation. And that is that. Amen. <laughs> All right. So shifting gears here, I want to at least touch on the ideas that we have as we age about making big decisions and maybe the stories that we tell ourselves about our worthiness to make these decisions or our timing around these decisions. Uh, for example, when we first met, I had just left a job and was wondering what the heck was next for me. I was having these thoughts of like, I'm too old to make a big change. And overall, just grappling with these yeah, thoughts around timing. And no one ever told me I couldn't do something at a certain point in my life or no one else around me was doubting me, it was all very much this internal dialogue. But you personally made a pretty big shift in your career. And how did that feel? Number one, from the perspective of age, because mm -hmm. I know you were, it was in your thirties that you made that change. And also from the perspective of being a woman, uh, do you mind kind of taking us through that journey? Yes, yes, yes. I, I made a big shift a couple of years ago. For those of you who don't know my story, I'll I'll give you some quick backstory here. But I was in the corporate world for about 15 years. And right around the time of COVID and coming off the heels of my divorce, I made a major decision to take the leap to leave corporate America with a pretty rough plan in place <laughs> to strike up my coaching business. And this was, this was challenging because I think I was around like 36 ish around this time when this happened. And I was really wrestling with some limiting beliefs that I had around leaving my career. Um, those being like, can I really be successful outside of this corporate structure? Do I even know what I'm doing to start a business? Am I smart enough to do this? Can I like handle my finances? Um, is it too late for me to take a risk like this and bet on myself? Right. All of these stories played into it. And I felt like ultimately where I came to with it was what better time than now? <laughs> right. Like, I'm not getting any younger. So what am I waiting for? Is this the life that I want to continue with for X amount of years to come is to stay in this wildly unfulfilling career. Um, so I worked with someone on building that courage and overcoming those limiting beliefs that I had around, is it too late for me to do this? And zero regrets, like, I'm wondering sometimes why didn't I do it sooner, <laughs> to be honest, but everything happens for the right times. Um, 
So from an age perspective, it was it was a challenging decision to make. And I, like I said, there was a lot of beliefs that I had to overcome there. And then you throw being a woman on top of that. And it's interesting. I see exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing now as a woman. I feel like I am balanced between my feminine and my masculine energy of, you know, not having to be so strategic all the time and in plan and action mode, like I was at my corporate job, I can really blend this feeling of like flow and freedom and um, like intuition and working with my clients in a way that feels really nurturing and supporting and still like tapping into my masculine, which is the planning, building, growing of the business. I can really like freely go between those energies and feel more balanced more. And I just wonder if I stayed in my corporate job, like would I continue to burn out not having been able to access my feminine energy as much? Um, but I think there's, you know, still this like underlying thought that I had of like, as a woman, am I smart enough to do this? As a woman, am I going to be okay taking care of myself by making this change? Um, so it's interesting to kind of reflect back on those thoughts that that were happening at the time. You know, that brought up for me a little bit. Um, it brought up the topic of how we speak to ourselves mm -hmm. and, and specifically like as we age, how that shifts, how it ebbs and flows and, and more, even more directly from like a mental health standpoint. Right. So I could see someone in your, um, you know, I would me several years ago, wanting to make a change so badly being so depressed, I was having way more periods of kind of like dark depression, where I've dealt with depression my whole life, kind of depression and anxiety. And but I I was just in it deep uh, over and over again, I'd never experienced that many dark periods. And a lot of that was because I kept telling myself I was too old to make a change. What was I thinking? Like, why? what am I going to do if I don't do this? And you know, that period was, bleh. I'm just, I don't even know how to express it other than with that noise. <laughs> and as I've kind of come out of that, I um, realized that the way that I've always dealt with it as I've aged is through like physical activity. Um, I've, I move my body when to feel better. And that's not, you know, I feel great physically. I feel strong. I love those feelings. And as, as an athlete, like I've always loved feeling strong and feeling just fluid in my body, but more so as I've aged, I realized that I've used that movement so much to control the depression, to like help with the anxiety. And then after kind of that period, that really rough period, I realized I just needed some help. So fairly recently, I actually started taking antidepressants, super low dose. Um, and, and you see the fact that I feel like I need to qualify that actually speaks to this this uh, long time uh, stigma that I've felt through my life about getting any sort of help from something like, you know, a medicine of, of any sort. And that has changed for me over the years because I've seen people that I truly admire and then having them open, certain people open up to me and tell me, yeah, I just like needed a little help. So I am taking this or at one period in time, I took this and it helped me. Um, and it was, just, it's taken a long time for me to come to terms with the fact that like, I don't always have to be this like crazy strong 
do it all myself. I can ask for a little bit of help sometimes. And that has been a big shift for me. Um, I think I've spoken to you about this before and will, and I, I use this language maybe uh, more often than I ever have in my life is like, I've just become softer as a human. I've become more vulnerable and open um, to myself as well as to others. And that's been a pretty awesome shift uh, that I've seen and felt in, as I've aged. Yeah. I love that so much, Dreej, because it speaks to kind of the wisdom that you're continuing to deepen into as, as you age. Right. And I think we've shared stories together of like upbringing where we were really conditioned to be tough cookies, right. Especially as athletes, like toughen through everything, you know, wipe the tears away and keep going, keep grinding, keep hustling. And like, there's a time and a place for that. That's totally fine. And as we grow older, we do get to shift into this like softer way of being, um, this more vulnerable way of being and be strong. Like we get to be both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And I really identify with what you're talking about, especially from the mental health standpoint, like I have had anxiety and I have dealt with panic attacks for like 20 years almost. And now being at the age that I'm at, there's definitely moments where I question, when am I going to get over this? I should be over this by now. And that's part of the tough girl coming out, right? Uh, Because that's how I was taught to deal with things. Um, but as you're talking, it, it is the reminder that I need of it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have these moments of vulnerability and come up with the coping strategies that work best for you. You're not too old to be dealing with the things that you're dealing with. Mental health, uh, does not have any discrimination against age whatsoever. So I think this is this is an important topic, especially for any listeners out there that have dealt with any kind of mental health related issues. Like it's okay. It's perfectly okay. You don't have to get over it at a certain age. It's not something you outgrow because you're getting older. So just remind yourselves of that. Right. Yeah. And surround yourself with people, you know, who are, who are supportive with people that are examples of taking care of themselves, whatever that looks like. I, I just, um, I find a ton of value in, in what you just said about the, you're never too old to be dealing with it. It's unfortunately, there's no, you know, I'd love it if like at 45, I'm like never have to deal with depression or anxiety again, sign me up. But <laughs> <laughs> for now, just keep chugging along, keep chugging along. All right. I'm going to shift directions here. Let's have a little bit of fun. I, I, I want to make sure that, that our listeners like know that we're not all serious all the time. Like we can have a little bit of fun. So I'm going to shift to ask a question and don't worry, everyone. I gave Kelly a heads up here. I'm not just springing it on her, although that would be fun too. It's also a question for you. If you're listening, like let us know the answer to this question for you. That'd be super fun to get an influx in the in the inbox or voicemail or whatnot. So share with us, please, please, please. All right. To my question, Kelly, I know you've been waiting for this. (laughs) Uh, Hey, so when you were growing up, 
Did, were there any female characters, whether real or fictional? And this could be in books, movies, uh, a musician perhaps, that kind of gave you an idea of what it should or it could look like to be an older woman? For me, it was like hands down, first first memory of the strongest, coolest chick ever was freaking Nancy Drew. I read <laughs> every Nancy Drew book I could get my hands on. My mom had like all of these like from when she was a kid, she had all the Nancy Drew books. And then what she didn't have, I got from the library and I would literally wait till everyone was in bed. And then I'd crawl out of my bunk bed and I'd get down by the nightlight, put a blanket over my head and I'd just read Nancy Drew kick ass. Like she was just so clever and so crafty and I wanted to be her. I, as a seven-year-old, like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, I just was, I'm going to be Nancy Drew. I love that. Uh, so so that that's number one. Uh, as I got older, became a teenager, my hands down, like woman that I looked up to was Gwen Stefani from No Doubt. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, just like even her songs were were just exuded and like, just like oozed this strength and hey, don't tell me what I can do. I'm going to be who I am. So I really, I, I loved her and just like who, what she represented. I, again, I just... I obviously had a big time, like I'm an independent woman thing going on. So Ooh, I'm going to, like yeah, yeah. Examples. So if you haven't read Nancy Drew in a while, you should probably go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now I'm going to give uh, Kelly the mic to speak to her inspirations. So I have two examples of characters that really impacted how I viewed becoming an aging woman and the first one is Gina Davis in A League of Their Own. I was absolutely obsessed with this movie as as a kid. I can't remember how old I was when it came out but I was very much like probably like fifth grade or maybe even in middle school I'm not sure but what I loved about her character in the movie is that she really showed me what it looked like to be both and what I mean by both is she was this incredible athlete, the leader of the team. You know, she showed this toughness, this quick wit. She had the brains, very much a student of the game. And then outside of the sport, she was also this graceful woman who had this soft side. And she had, you know, very much this femininity and this like quiet confidence. And so I remember totally looking up to her when I was a kid because, you know, like I said earlier, I was very much an athlete. Uh, so I, I totally wanted to be her and wanted to like emulate everything that she did in that movie. So that's, that's one example. And then as, as I got older, moved into my early twenties, um, I was a huge fan of sex in the city reruns. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? I know yeah. the, the women out there, you dabbled for sure. Um, and what's interesting with this example is I think my perspective has shifted from what I first thought about the characters on the show to now how I view it. I'll, I'll like briefly explain that. But when I was in my early twenties, I, I looked at them with so much awe. And again, I know these are fictional characters. However, I think they represented, you know, the show was out in the nineties and early two thousands. And I think they represented this transformation in women um, in their 30s. And again, I was in my 20s at the time. So this was me looking forward into the future of what would it be like to be a woman in my 30s? And a lot of them were 
single, um, kind of going against cultural standards. They weren't getting married and having babies by a certain age. They were out living their lives and having their careers. Some had relationships. Others were deeply committed to not be in relationships. And I remember thinking, gosh, like, that's cool. Like women can, can pick, they can do what they want to do. They don't have to fit this societal norm of getting married at 25 and having their family done by 30. They, you can have cocktails and go out and have fun. (laughs) And so I thought that was super cool. And I wanted, I didn't, wouldn't say that I wanted life to be exactly like that, but it did show me that it was okay. So there are some attitudes that I see in the show now that I don't identify with anymore. Um, And that's part of my aging process is I'm allowing myself to evolve what I think about what being an aging woman means. And so I went through a time where it was all about like being a badass independent woman. And now I'm like, all right, there's fragments of that that still stand, but Otherwise I've moved on. So that's a great transition into what is the best part for you of being an aging woman? Not even a being an aging woman. Let me take that back. Let's rewind. Let's change the way that that is spoken. What is the best part in your personal opinion of aging as a woman? Ooh. Oh, I like that rephrase. Yeah. You put that. The best part of aging as a woman, I think is growing deeper into my femininity, growing deeper into who I am as a woman, what I value as a woman, and really understanding that the journey that I have been on to get here is perfect. There is nothing that I would change in my past. I don't feel like there's anything that I did that was too late There's nothing that I haven't experienced yet that's going to be too late. Everything is happening right on time for me as a woman. And I think deepening into that wisdom, hands down, that's the best part is just continuing to learn, grow, and become wiser. Um, I first thought about this question and I thought, okay, what is the best part of aging as a woman? And I see, I definitely have a space inside me that has a lot of shame for who I was at a certain age and for some of the things that I did, the way I treated people and so on. And that being said, I have certainly had to have grace with myself in that. And part of that, and the only reason I'm able to do that is because as I get older, I have more compassion for that that younger, my younger me. And that compassion lends itself to how I look at the mistakes I make now, which are way less dire than back in the day. So I think that the softening and the vulnerability that has come as I've aged, um, I have been able to extend that not only to other people, which is much easier for me to do. And I think for most people to do, but now I've been able to extend that uh, compassion to myself. And that is a pretty wonderful feeling. And I'm by no means perfect at it. And I have a lot to work on, which is pretty great because I have a ton of longevity in my family, which means I'm going to freaking live to like 110. So I have a long time to get to the perfection. And then once perfection hits, poof, I better be gone. (laughs) I love that. That's so beautiful. Just the, I love that you keep using this word softening. Like 
that that's really hitting home for me because I'm also feeling some level of that as well at this season of life. And I think there's more to come there. Yeah. Well, let's close this out. And I am just so excited about this episode number two. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Kelly, would you like to read a couple of things as far as like from feedback we've received from listeners? Yes, I would love to do so. Um, We've received a couple of really great messages that I wanted to share with you all. Uh, Sarah sent us a message and said, just listen to the podcast. Incredible work. I relate so much as I've been grappling with being 46 years old and my partner is 10 years older, but many of my friends are younger and it's hard. Taylor also sends us a message and says, that conversation was so good and I love your dynamic. It feels very connected, a conversation between two friends, but I can feel the wisdom between the two of you. And she says, lastly, I was able to really connect from a different lens as you ladies speak about being, quote, old in a sea of 20-somethings. Because here I am in my early 20s and I'm considered, quote, old for my age. It was cool to hear a different perspective than mine. Um, I love that share from her. Yeah, that cracks you know, me up. Flipping the script a little bit from young for my age to old for my age. So it's just, it's cool to see the range of listeners that we're impacting just, you know, one episode in. And I know that the conversations going forward are just going to continue to get more rich and more potent. Um, and so that to say, if you're listening to this podcast, to this episode, and if something really hit home for you, feel free to screenshot this, share this on your Instagram and tag at young for my age, screenshot it, share it with a friend over text message. Um, we would love to just continue to get this word out and have these conversations hit home with more and more people. Sweet. All right. Well, that's it for this time, but hey, everybody, until next time, age like you mean it. If you'd like to reach us, please email at yfmapod at gmail.com. That's Y-F-M-A-P-O-D at Gmail. Or follow us on Instagram at Young For My Age. Thanks a lot. Talk to you soon.